Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. All right. I feel like I've already had church. Man, it's good. It's really good. How is everybody? Great. I don't know. It's great. Oh, it's a good day. Um, so today I am going to keep going after these foundations. The Lord has given us a word back in February um, via Paul Manwaring, and he said he's resetting and re-pouring, and we're to revisit our foundations of this house. And so we've been doing it. We've been going on this journey together, and uh, today is no different. Um, I, want to, I want to reiterate a vision that Blake shared about eight weeks ago. Do you, who was in the room for that message? It was a grace to face humanity, and he shared about the performance stone. Does anyone, who was in the room? Oh, good. I'm going to reiterate it for sure. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm so thankful for Blake. He's a prophet, and he sees, God gives him visions. He sees angels. He sees all the things. And it's so helpful for us as our body to just hear what the Lord is saying and follow suit. And so this vision um, Blake shared he, uh, he started by sharing that eight weeks ago I was preaching and I was declaring testimonies. I was just like putting some stakes in the ground. This is who we are. This is what we, that we're about. This is what God's going to do in this place. And this giant 10-foot by 10-foot, I don't know, piece of rock. I don't know. Sorry. Blake's not here to help me right there. <laughs> He'll be back. Um, it, it landed, and it had the word testimony written on it, and it just embedded into our, into our foundation. And, uh, and I, I was like, that is part of who we are. And then six weeks ago, we're, we're in worship, and Damien is singing this song, and he's singing about the blood. It's not about, it's not about perfection, performance, striving, da-da-da-da-da. I won't sing it anymore. But... <laughs> And, and so Blake sees this vision of this angel coming in the room and spinning and dancing. Um, sorry, it's Jesus. Jesus is in the room. He's spinning. He's dancing. And there's blood all over his robe. And the blood's like hitting us in the room. And, and there's this giant piece of our foundation over here, maybe 10 by 10. And it starts rattling and shaking and like coming out of the ground, and on it is written the words perfection on one side, performance on another side, and it's, it looks weak. It looks like blue cheese, like missing pieces. <laughs> His words, not mine. <laughs> and, and the Lord said, this is a consequence of your humanity. It's a consequence of your culture and it's a consequence of powers and principalities of your region. And so it's shaking loose. And Blake feels very calm with this happening. I'm talking about you. <laughs> and, and, um, and he asks the Holy Spirit, why do, I, why do I feel okay with this happening? And the Holy Spirit said, there's grace 
to face it. And, and I believe that there is a grace in the room to face the spirit of performance, the spirit of perfection, and to see it bow to the feet of Jesus. It does not belong in our foundation. It's a cultural thing. We live in America. It's, it's, it's everywhere we go, but it doesn't have to live here. And so I, I have a tenacity inside of myself that when the Lord is, is resting his grace, you know, this waterfall of grace, when the Lord is in something, I want to partner with it with some tenacity. Like, I don't want to hear the word of the Lord and just keep on keeping on. I think it's arrogant of us to have the Lord show us something and not do something about it. He wants to reset something in our foundation, and there's an invitation. And I, I know that the invitation comes with the grace to change. Change is work, but when there's grace accompanying it, it's easier. <laughs> and there's fruit, and it's powerful. And so I just have some confidence today that he is in the room ready to adjust us. And I love the adjustment of the Father. It's, it's a beautiful adjustment when the Father steps in the room and just shows us things. His kindness leads us to repentance. His, his conviction is the most kind, beautiful one, and there's grace on it. And so... I, I, I feel like in this season, since Paul's word in February, we've been both personally going after pieces of our foundation, and we've been corporately going after it. So what I mean by this is, you know, I charged our staff. I said, hey, we, we know that we set the course of our life with our words. It says in James, what are we saying with our words? Just like Dan just said. What are, we putting, what are we putting on our lips? And so our staff, we've been spending time in our meetings declaring. In our, in our pre-service um, team meetings, we're declaring. What is the Lord doing? What are we putting on our mouth? And, and so I believe that if we as individuals take what the Lord is breathing on and just digest it, it's going to trickle down to the body. So we're going after things both independently and corporately. And so I think it's important that we're responding on our own because when we come together, it has a different impact. So um, we've been going after declarations. There's power in our words. We've been, we've been declaring the testimonies, revisiting those testimonies because they're far, part of our foundation. Dan spoke last week about the pursuit of intimacy as the cornerstone of where we are going, of who we are. Like his presence is our his manifest presence is why we live. And it's our primary, pri primary pursuit. So, um, are y'all ready to go with me here today? Okay. Okay. So, I think performance is a, is a tricky thing to talk about. I think it's so embedded in everything. You know, it's, it's kind of everywhere you look. <laughs> 
And um, it, I think, it, and it's a fine line between for performance and excellence. Like, I love to be excellent. I love to achieve. Um, you know, personally, I'm a high achiever. It's like my favorite thing. So, uh, so I think it's, it's fun that I'm talking about this because <laughs> I've got to work with it for like 41 years. It's great. So, um, and, and I think the Lord loves that about me. He loves my love for excellence. He, lo- he put in me the fact that I want to achieve. But there's a difference when it's performance. Performance, it, it looks like, oh, to be okay, I have to perform. It, or it's like this looking for constant approval. Is this okay? Is this okay? Is it okay, right? Right? It's, it's looking to others for approval versus to him for approval. It's like through my own effort, I can be good. Through my own effort, I'm valuable. When really, <laughs> that's counterfeit because through him, we are good and valuable and beautiful and worthy. And performance looks like I'm working for love. I'm working for approval. I'm working for my value. As opposed to, oh, I'm so valuable. I get to work from this place. Oh, I'm so loved by the Father. I just get to be me and show up. Or I'm I'm so, like, he's already approved me. Nothing I can do changes that. His, his love and favor on my life just rests there. And then from there I get to say, oh, let me partner with you, Holy Spirit. What are you doing in the moment? Versus what am I going to do for him? Ooh, i got to do some stuff for him. <laughs> I, I love the verse in Hosea 6.6, 6, and it says, For I desire love and not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. He desires our steadfast love, which is just like good parents. They just, they want their children to love them, you know. They don't really want their kids to clean their room as much as they want their love because they don't clean their room as good anyway. <laughs> um, so I, I feel like um, Blake shared this uh, about, I don't know, six to eight weeks ago. If you haven't heard that message, I would strongly encourage you to go back and listen. Um, so when he, was, when he was speaking on Sunday, I remember sitting up there, and I immediately heard the Lord like, oh, you're going to share, you know, you're going to tag onto this message with your stories. And so I've just been, you know, excited slash scared to do that with everybody because... <laughs> Because vulnerability, it breaks things. And, and there's authority in when you bring things to the light, shame has no place to live. And so as I'm listening to that message six or eight weeks ago, I'm like, oh, this is, this is part of my story. Like, this is part of my life. These are part of things that I've had great victories and great challenges in. And so... Um, I'm going to just tell y'all some stories today, okay? Okay, great. All right, so uh, when I was 12, okay, so the, oh, where do I want to start? Okay. 
Um, the Lord brought back this memory to me a year ago in, in just a healing process, and it was beautiful. And so he reminded me, um, when I was 12 years old, I went to this spend-the-night party with a bunch of girls, and it was the most beautiful, pure, like, everything about it is, like, where you'd want your daughter to have a spend-the-night party. So it was just this great environment. And at some point in the evening, we were just being goofy and 12, and I did like, I was, like, dancing and being goofy, whatever, like a 12-year-old. And uh, the girls started kind of, like, making fun of me. And I was just being free and having fun. And, and in retrospect, I think they were, in, it was an endearing way. But through a mind of a 12-year-old, you're like, oh, my gosh, I just did not live up to their expectations. <laughs> the picture of who they want me to be, they just made fun of because I'm not that. And... <laughs> It's shocking how long that memory stayed with me. It was months of thinking, they're never going to think the same of me. I, I just don't. I, I just have to be a little more reserved. I, I, don't think, I don't think they like that person. Like, oh, I can't believe I acted so, you know, silly. Like, okay, I'm a 12-year-old, you know, so I'm trying to capture 12-year-old thoughts. And, and it stuck with me, and it, like, stuck you know, it, it became my self-talk, like, Lauren, that was, ugh, why didn't you, why did you do that? That was so stupid. Like, that was, that doesn't make any sense. Like, just be, be reserved, just, you know. And, and I felt shame for the first time creep in, like my first memory of shame. And I'm like, I'm shameful of something that's not shameful. <laughs> but I felt shame. And I, you know, shame is just such a, Oh, it doesn't leave room for conviction, or it doesn't leave room for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I just got in a cycle of like, oh, I should have, could have, that was terrible. Uh, another memory from high school. I had this wonderful cross country coach, a godly man, and uh, and but basketball was my sport, and so I remember before games just being nervous, like. Got to go to bed early the night before. Got to, got to get ready for the performance. You know, like all the things. And I, I did all the work. Like I put in all the hours of practice and everything. And Coach Marchman, my my cross country coach, he came up to me one day just before a basketball game. He's like, "Hey, Lauren." I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "You know, if I had to do it all over again, I would have just really enjoyed all the games of high school, <laughs> and I would have not worried about the performance." <laughs> He just dropped this revelation. And I, I caught a little of it, but not the whole of it. But, oh, I would just enjoy it all and not worry about the performance. And so um, as I've been taking a walk down memory lane with the Lord, like, okay, Lord, you want to take this giant piece of our foundation and you are, you are rattling it up. There is a performance perfection stone coming out of our ground that, that is a part of me. I am a part of this body. That's a part of my story, and it's a part of ours. And so I've been asking the Lord about our history because when you bring things to the light, there's no shame. And so 
I'm remembering I led the school of ministry for nine years. The first nine years we had our, our school of ministry. And it was incredible. There's a hundred radical revivalists coming to school every Monday and Tuesday night, like just laying down their life, laying down their worship, giving it all. It was incredible. But I remember many nights going home from school and thinking, ah, I think we ended worship wrong. Mm, you know, like he was going here and we went here. <laughs> or, you know, that message I shared did not hit the mark. Like it was not what it was supposed to be. Or, you know, we really have to improve, you know, the way we're doing our outreach. Like people aren't showing up. Like, like this critical spirit would seep in on evenings after these incredible nights of school. <laughs> like, you know, 95% amazing, 5%, yeah, we should probably work on this. Um, but I would, I remember sitting in bed, you know, processing with Brent, like all the things. And, and, and I'm like, oh, that's perfection. <laughs> that's performance. Oh, we got to do it perfect. It has to look perfect. And, and, you know, I'm contributing to that boulder in our foundation with those thoughts, that mindset, that thought process. And, you know, the reality, the truth, is that our wins do not validate our leadership. The size of the church does not validate or invalidate our leadership. I think back to our Sandy Creek days. Ooh, if you don't know, we, um, we got kicked out of our wonderful rental building that we had for seven or eight years and moved to being a, a trailer set up, tear down church. We had church in a box and the trailer would pull up week after week and we'd unload into Sandy Creek High School. So... That was a lot of work. And Mike and Kim, they led this massive team of people. And <laughs> a 5 a.m. wake-up call at the school, unloading a trailer full of couches and chairs and welcome info centers and, and instruments. And we, put, um, we had nursery in a gym. You got to set up a lot of stuff to have a nursery and a gym. <laughs> it was wild. Um, and so uh, I remember one day, and I was sitting in the lobby. We took a lobby and made a lobby. We had chairs and couches and, and TVs and screens and backdrops. It looked really good. Um, I remember sitting there <laughs> during worship in the lobby, out of breath and exhausted. And we had all those watches that clocked your mileage. We would have 10 miles by lunchtime. It was no joke. I mean, it was long hauls. And I'm sitting there with other staff members, not all, but a lot of us. And I'm looking around, and I was like, oh, we've missed it. <laughs> we, we forgot our first love. Because 30 feet away is 
everyone going into the presence of God, and we're sitting out here sweating <laughs> and really tired. <sighs> and we had forgotten our first love because we were going for this perfect lobby. <laughs> I know, in retrospect, but y'all, in the moment, in the moment, you're doing it because you want the visitors to walk in and feel loved. You want people to be able to find the home groups. You want all the right things. Like the, the motive starts beautifully, and you fast forward two months, and you're just tired. And I'm like, we've lost our first love. We forgot and we're now here in a lobby, sweating and tired. <laughs> and we, we can go for excellence, but not at the expense of what really matters. And I felt, and I use this analogy a lot in that season, I felt like a mom on Thanksgiving Day. This is not my experience. <laughs> I've never cooked Thanksgiving dinner, ever. <laughs> I just got to be really honest. And my mom did not fall to this, but the, the mom on Thanksgiving that would work, work, work so hard to prepare this beautiful feast and be almost too tired to enjoy it. And oh, I remember, like, we're just preparing a feast 52 weeks a year and missing out on all of that it is. And so our priority is him and his presence. We are people of his presence. It's who we are. It's, it's, it's the cornerstone. <laughs> it's, it's the cornerstone of our foundation is him. We're not doing any of this without him. It's wasteful. <laughs> it's a waste of our time. It's a waste of our energy. I don't want to strive to do church. And if we're doing that, we have better things to do. Like, he has to show up. He's the reason we're here. Um, so as I'm like thinking back, all these walking down memory lane, I'm thinking of, we started a church 16 years ago with a name Bethel. <laughs> that name carries so much weight. It, it carries like a, it's a beautiful inheritance. And it also carries a huge list of expectation. And, and, you know, Eric Johnson said this well to us a handful of years ago. He's like, you have different first names, but you have the same last name. Our Atlanta is going to be so different than Reading because it's going to look like us. It's going to look like our city. It's going to look like our people. It's going to look like our people's breakthroughs. <laughs> This is why we're going after breakthroughs, because that's going to look like us. Reading is going after a cancer-free zone because of loss, and they're going to have breakthrough. We're going to have our own breakthrough that looks like Atlanta. We're going to walk in unity that they may never experience, because it's not the same makeup of people. And so... 16 years ago, our doors just opened. I mean, they, Chris Valentin said, don't grow too fast because your name draws people. And there's an expectation of you're going to look like a mature Bethel overnight. 
the 40 years they spent in Weaverville digging deep wells of intimacy with the Father and each other, you know, we get to dig our own wells. <laughs> We're supposed to dig our own wells. And so there was expectation. What does it look like? I mean, and, um, and the Father showed up. I remember us thinking, well, maybe we won't have a testimony for a long time. But we did. We had testimonies from the beginning. It was beautiful. And uh, Janie Horton came out to me two weeks ago, and I'm sitting over there during worship. And she said, Lauren, I see you with some tool over in that corner hitting through the ceiling of Bethel And the ceiling looked like our expectations and, and we were, a ton of us were behind you helping break through the ceiling. And the expectations, I want to get this right. You know, the ceiling was our expectations. And they had created lofty, unrealistic ideas about what God should do. And they capped or limited what he could do. So there's something that says, I have to have a heart posture of expectancy, but I don't know what it's going to look like. <laughs> I'm okay flushing expectation if my heart posture is expectancy. I'm going to be an expectant daughter, but I'm not going to say, God, it's going to look like X. And there's this beautiful song I've just been sitting with for a couple weeks, and it's like, wouldn't it be like you to be different than we thought but better? And he's breaking the expectation that we have to look like X, Y, or Z. <laughs> he's breaking the expectation of 12-year-old Lauren that I have to look like this for the approval of these other 12-year-olds who I don't know their name now. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> And I think it's, it's so interesting. I'm trying to navigate it all because I, I feel like shame is holding hands with perfection and performance. And they don't, they don't belong here. I've been fighting a battle with shame for a while. And it leaves no room for the kind, still voice of the Holy Spirit that's like, oh, Lauren, you should adjust that. Okay, okay, I'd love to adjust it. And he is breaking it. There's grace to face it. As you're listening to these stories, let the Lord open up your stories. There's a grace to face it. I could fight shame and perfection and performance on my own, and it would feel like toil, which feels more like performance. <laughs> or I could respond to the grace of the Holy Spirit and say, oh, Father, I love your, I love your voice. I love your grace. I don't have to go introspective. <laughs> You're just going to show me things. You're going to highlight things. You're going to highlight parts of my story that are wonderful. And it's just slightly, just a slight posture adjustment. Um, in our COVID season, <laughs> whew, guys, there was so much 
potential for performance. Who are we going to please? Am I going to please God or man? And if I'm trying to please man, this half the room thinks this, and this half the room thinks that. Should we have masks or no masks? Should we require masks or no masks? Or should we let people choose? Like, and even though I'm not hearing the input, you see it because it's all over Facebook. <laughs> should we keep our doors closed or open or be online or not? <laughs> should we discuss politics or not? I mean, the amount of triggering the performance inside of myself, just owning this, you're not going to win. And the, Jesus wouldn't want us to win in that battle anyway. I don't want to please man. I don't want to, I want to please God. <laughs> like, we answer to one. We sit with one. We look one in the eye. He is the one and only one that matters. He is the one opinion that matters. And I'm going to miss it. And that's okay. We're going to all miss it. We're not perfect. We're going to all miss it. But the main thing is I'm going to look into your eyes, Father, and ask what you're doing. And I'm going to do my best to partner with you. And it might be wrong sometimes. And there's grace to adjust. And so, um, last story, most personal. Um, so, I've had probably the most intense six months of my life. <laughs> and... Uh, I, uh, y'all have heard me like check in about my health over the years. I'll like mention it in sermons and talk about, yeah, I'm dealing with weird health issues and I don't know. And then I'll drop it for six months because the weird health issues go away and then I'll bring it up. So I've been dealing with that for a minute. And uh, about three months ago, I woke up one morning and my whole body was my symptoms of weird health stuff went from a 2 to a 10 in a matter of overnight. And, um, and by the end of the week, I could barely walk and barely function. So my doctor got me a rushed MRI, and 24 hours later, I was diagnosed with MS, multiple sclerosis. And so that, it, it kind of rocks you <laughs> to have something drastic, uh, a diagnosis pretty fast. Um, but I was thinking about this because uh, I'm a trail runner. I, I, like if you asked me three years ago, or two years ago, one year ago, what do you do for fun? I'm like, oh, I'm a trail runner. I love running in the woods with Quinn Weber and, you know, like seeing mountains and eating snacks and just seeing beautiful stuff. <laughs> and it would... You know, on many occasions, I've run 20 to 35 miles in a day in the woods. And, and so two weeks ago, I walked 1.2 miles every day and felt like a champion. <laughs> well, 
Thanks. Okay. And because I had barely walked 100 yards for a month and a half or so. And I, I read, like, day one of MS realization, um, I read this thing that said, well, MS warriors, they walk 30 miles a month. That's, that's a victory. And I read that, and I was like, oh, but I run 30 miles in a day. <laughs> like, it, it, it just rattles you. Like, if my identity was in the fact that I'm a trail runner, I crumble overnight. <laughs> I can't have my identity and my value and my worth in my performance and what I do. I, because overnight, it goes away. And, uh, and so it's been this wild, wild three months. Um, the overnight, my need for dependence skyrocketed. I'm a pretty independent, capable person, I thought. And, and, um, and I remember one morning telling Brent, I, I could barely get the toothpaste on my toothbrush. And the next morning, like, on my counter, you know, he wakes up earlier and was letting me sleep. And, and on my counter is my toothbrush loaded with toothpaste. And I burst into tears, like, oh, like, like, but the dependence level of your husband having to put toothpaste on your toothbrush is really humbling. <laughs> and the dependence level of my 10-year-old having to help me stuff my pillow in my pillowcase when a month ago I'm stuffing his pillow in his pillowcase. You're like, oh, what is happening here? <laughs> like, and, but I felt like the Lord is saying, will you be dependent on me? Will you be dependent on me? Just a second. So, uh, and I heard him, like, my dependence on the Father was at a higher level than I've ever experienced. I remember, like, those sleepless nights just laying there on my pillow, picturing him on my pillow, face to face, just chatting the day away, <laughs> asking all the things. And the first thing he told me, he's like, you'll never walk alone. And I said, Okay. Okay. And like, this is before I could barely walk. <laughs> and for two months, I'm like grabbing on my 14-year-old's arm or any strong, able-bodied person next to me as I'm walking. I'm like, wow, you'll never walk alone has such a different interpretation. And, uh, and then my version of like, what is a strong female leader look like? Well, I'm struggling to get on the stage, so that feels like a challenge. <laughs> like, the, the, the humbling experience and the dependence of, Father, you have to show up. Because what I lacked in ability, I tended to make up for with effort. I mean, my whole life, I'm like, well, I can outwork them all. Like, <laughs> It would just be, like, I'm a hard worker, and I love it. And, and I'm not like, yeah. So then my ability to, to work really hard was also taken away. <laughs> and 
I'm brought to 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, I'm content with weaknesses. Getting there. (laughs) So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I think he is uprooting this deep within our foundation. And I don't want to lose, like you can tell I'm walking just mostly fine. I don't want to lose my dependence as my health returns. Like the dependence is the invitation. Like, can you rely on the Father? He's asking. He's inviting. Through my weakness, he's strong. You know how I mentioned that Reading, they see cancer. They see it, they're, they're, seeing a, they're going after a cancer-free zone. And cancer dies. And we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're championing that as well. <laughs> But autoimmune, like when you, get, when you get unhealthy, people come out of the woodworks to talk about what they have going on. And I appreciate that. There's too many autoimmune illnesses in our body. And they're going to die at the feet of Jesus. Obscure diseases are going to find themselves here and drop at that door. Everyone's going to walk in health and wholeness in our body. Mind, body, soul, spirit. And as our community ages, we're going to get healthier and stronger. It's our portion and it's our, it's our invitation to go after it. Um, side note, when you share about health, it brings out a lot of people's desire to give you their input. <laughs> I have 11 doctors. So, and, a, and a quite a few friends that are giving me input. So I love your prayers and love and support, but maybe not your medical input, okay? <laughs> Thank you. <sighs> so... Um, I keep seeing Jesus in his robe with blood on it. And he's paid for all this. He's paid for those autoimmune illnesses in this room. He's paid for the cancer in the room. He's paid for those rare diseases in the room. He's paid for it all. And I just feel like dealing with this perfection performance looks like me trying to do it on my own and try to better the gift that he already paid the highest price for. I don't want to pay for something he's already paid for. Yeah. 
I don't want to attempt to pay for something he's already paid for. There's no striving, there's no perfection, and there's no performance in him. And I just keep picturing him dancing in this room, like dancing over us, and his blood splattering on us. It's enough. My blood's enough. You don't have to pay for what I've already paid for. So um, I'm going to ask Blake to come up and, and help close our ministry time. Uh, and if any, yeah, thanks, Vanessa. <laughs> We're going to sing this song. I can't get it out of my head about the blood. And I feel there's an invitation to respond. Father, we want to be moved by you and you alone. (laughs) We thank you that you paid the highest price. We thank you that we're drawing a line in the sand that says that perfection and performance do not belong in our foundation, personally, corporately, no matter how it got there. As I was just praying about this, I kept seeing this picture of um, performance, and it was all knotted up in our in our guts. <laughs> and it was like this uh, string that was all so tangled in. That it was like, oh, where does this start and this finish? And, you know, like we, like Lauren talked about, performance is something that's, we learn it from childhood. We learn it from, you know, micro expressions that, that people make around us. We learn it from, from hundreds of little experiences. And for many of us, all of us really, it's so entangled into who we are that it's like where do I start and I just felt like today as we were going into this song I just saw the Holy Spirit coming and just disentangling that that from the inside and it and there was this partnership because it would it would have been impossible to know where to start but as it disentangled all of a sudden you could see the loops it was, it's like when a knot's too tight you don't even know can't even get a grip on it but at the end of this process there was loops everywhere there was there was a easy ways to partner with the Holy Spirit and seeing where that belief system, where that mindset, where that 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 sense of, of performance was was rooted in your life, even some of the memories of when it got started, even even ones that might seem like that not big of a deal, or, or, or why did that stick so so deep inside? And so, I, I, I you know love if, if, as we as we uh, sing this together, I love for us just just to just to stand, just be present with the Holy Spirit, and to make these declarations because this. This, this song is about how Jesus' blood is what is, is all that is needed, is what makes us sufficient, not something that we can do, not something that we could make happen. And make, make this an act of beginning to declare that dependency on him. I saw this uh, vision of um, inside some of your hearts, and I saw this time in your childhood where this this um, in-
eternal judge took the stand in your heart. And it was this, this, this thing that was telling you how you measured, telling you how well you did, telling you what's, what's, what went well, what didn't go well. And I just saw the, the Lord walk up and tap that judge on the shoulder and say, that's my seat. That's my seat. So I just want to just take a moment that I think, I think this happens to all of us at some point in some, in some ways, but I just want to take that moment to tell that internal judge to submit. That thing that, that is always measuring you, that thing that is always measuring people around you, that is measuring your coworkers, measuring your bosses, measuring your leaders, that is, that is always assessing and just allow the Lord to take that seat, to sit as the righteous judge of your actions, of the actions of people around you. So just right now, in the name of Jesus, we just, we just re relinquish that internal judge. And we say, please step down from the stand. And we invite the Lord to take his seat in that place. To take his, to take his seat in that place. Lord, we just receive you as the judge of our life, as the measuring, as the, as the, as the chooser of the instrument of measure. We just receive that voice in place of that internal judge. Yeah. I just want to encourage you guys, when I, when I saw that stone rattle up and I, I heard... Lord said, there's a, there's a grace to, to face it, to face the consequences of your, of your humanity. I, I'm like, okay, so now what? <laughs> and I just felt like I heard the Lord say that, that it just means it's going to come up. You're going to run into it, and you're going to be able to see it. You're going you're gonna to catch yourself having those thoughts. You're going to catch yourself making those judgments towards yourself, making those judgments towards one another. You're going to catch yourself. You're gonna be able to see how you've been motivated by performance. You're gonna be able to recognize it in, in the environment when, when the, a, a motivator that is, that is performance driven shows up. And you're gonna have an opportunity to receive from the Lord on how to respond, on how to, on how to still do the things that we need to do, still, if you will, perform in the ways that are required of us in, in life, but not from a spirit of performance, from a place of value. And so I want you to be thoughtful, and I want you to be listening to the Holy Spirit, and I want you to notice that these things are going to pop up because the Lord is inviting you to a season of transformation in this area. All right, I'm going to invite our uh, prayer team to come up front. Um, if you felt like something was really shifting as we were, as we were, um, doing that or and you just want to partner with the Holy Spirit more these people up here would be more than happy to pray for you if you are sick in your body in any way if, if you have any of the diseases especially the ones that were mentioned by by Lauren please come up here we'd love to pray for you and of course if you have never met Jesus uh, please come on up and we would love to introduce you to him uh, for the rest of you we we love you so much and uh, go find your kids somewhere in that bounce house over there <laughs> and we will see you guys next week Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.